0: There's nothing like it, a little bit of Bible study, and we're doing it here in California at the Westminster Presbyterian Church here in Westlake, just by the Agoura Hills. And we're very, very pleased indeed to be doing this with, well, I've got my colleague here, Paul Blackham from London, England, with me here, and we're joined by Johnny Erickson Tarder. And we managed to track her down in her own backyard and welcome Johnny once again.
1: Always good to be with you, friends.
0: <laughs> we're very pleased to be doing Philippians with you because we know it's a favorite of yours. And uh, as we come to this study number four, we're going to look at chapter 2, verses 12 on to, oh, verse verse 30. I think that's enough. And we'll see how we get along with this. As we take up the next in our, this is series really entitled, Live as a Citizen Worthy of the Gospel of Christ. And today, I think we could call this theme today Shine Like Stars in the Universe, which is a phrase that's going to come up in just a minute. Let me read from verses, I think, 14 to 16 here in chapter 2. Do everything without complaining or arguing, writes Paul, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ, that I did not run or labor for nothing." Here he's writing to these young believers in Christ, the very first Christians that there have ever been on the continent of Europe. And of course he cares for them, he's looking after them like a, a mother hen with chicks. And as he comes to this little bit, well, we find ourselves inspired by this passage because it inspires us in what we should be doing. Look at those verses 12 and 13, Paul, which I've uh, just before the reading I gave you. Well, um, I think that sometimes people have got a bit confused because they think that Paul is telling them to earn their own salvation. When he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, what does he mean actually?
2: Well, sometimes yeah, people kind of misread it. They, they read it as if he said, work for your salvation. Uh-huh. So then it's like, oh, yeah, you've got to put in lots of effort if you're going to be saved. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's pretty scary because you might not do enough and all this sort of thing. Uh, Of course, it was ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Paul spent his entire life opposing that very kind of foolish thinking. Mm -hmm. It's work out your salvation because it's already in. That's the whole thing, work out what God is doing in. Uh, It's that way in which you're giving expression to what is already a reality that God has accomplished for you as a gift. Uh, and In fact, that's one of the things that Paul's always saying, be what you really are, give expression to what God has already done for you and given you. Mm. So
0: really, he's saying here, that it's energized from above, but it's exercised from within. That's our part of cooperation. Yeah. Right. So, John, why is it to be done with fear and trembling?
1: Well, I, I want to bounce on something yeah, that sure. uh, Paul just said. Uh, we, we were saved, we are being saved and we will be saved. Our salvation encompasses not only the fact that we were justified when Christ remembered us on his cross, but we are being sanctified right now in this present age. And of course, in the future, I can't wait with my new glorified body will be glorified. And I have the responsibility, we all do, to be actively engaged in our own sanctification down here on earth. And if, I, if I'm not, if I become lazy about that, mm. then I am making light of the, uh, the blood that Christ shed for me on his cross. I don't want to do that. That's why it says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because Jesus went to great lengths to purchase my salvation. And so the least I could do is be actively engaged in working that out, an expression uh... in my daily life and 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 when i think about my glorification in the future god has a design of who he wants johnny to be and i have a responsibility to step into that to give expression to that and it means working it out uh, down here on earth and it means doing so with fear and trembling again because of the precious price paid for my salvation the the, the blood of jesus christ
0: mm. I, I, you know. Paul the Apostle had this sense of fear and trembling too, because when he came you know, to the Corinthians, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter two, I think it's the first five verses, you know, when I came among you, I didn't come in self-confidence and all of that, not at all. He came with utter sort of terror and uh, feeling of grave responsibility in everything. No, it's lovely to hear those three tenses of salvation from you, about how we've been saved from the penalty of sin by a crucified Saviour, are being saved, from the power of sin mm-hmm. by a risen saviour and will be saved from the very presence, presence of, of sin. Presence of sin, exactly. coming saviour.
1: Oh, hallelujah, I yeah. can't wait.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for that, uh, Johnny. Um, actually, this time I've changed actually, to something very mundane, grumbling. Got it here, look at the, yeah. look at the verse, um, where, where do we find it? It's verse 14, I think. Yes, so that's right, it. verse 14. Um, well, do everything without complaining or arguing. Yeah. Why is that a sin? I mean, we, many of us argue or complain.
2: It's, that, it's, the, it's this grumbling word that not, often that word is translated with grumbling. Here in this version, complaining, it's this grumbling. And again, we think, oh, you know, grumbling, That's the problem with that? The Lord takes grumbling really seriously. We can think about 1 Corinthians 10, uh, where Paul is thinking back to the Old Testament and the grumbling that happened there. And he said, now look at the consequences of grumbling then and make sure you avoid it now. What's the problem with grumbling? Well, grumbling shows a heart that doesn't trust the Lord and isn't contented with him. If we think back to that the grumbling incidents that happened back in Exodus 16 and Numbers 14, and there are all the people of Israel and there's the Lord himself traveling with them and looking after them and winning victories for them. And he delivered them out of slavery and he's taken them to a wonderful future the Promised Land. And every day their food's miraculously provided, their clothes don't run out, wear out. And the fact he's there with them, he's the, how utterly thrilling that he's there with them and he has a big pillar of cloud and fire to show them that he's with them and all that. And for them, they're like, mm, it's a bit boring. <laughs> that's what they say. Oh, the food's a bit boring. I like, was oh, miraculously providing the Lord's looking after you. For them, they've lost complete touch with reality. And their hearts are just totally set on themselves and their own little tiny niggles. And it, it looks as if it's a superficial thing, grumbling. Like, oh, it's... it's actually mm. really serious mm. and reflects a heart that's really wrong really. And that's why when the, uh, they grumbled, they grumbled, and the Lord was upset, and eventually he, he really chastised the nation quite sharply for that, to wake them up, to see that, no, they should be trusting in him, and, he's lo- and loving him, and enjoying that time with him. Mm-hmm. And all these little problems are nothing in his presence. When the Lord's with them, all these little problems they had to deal with should be nothing.
1: You know what, I can't think of a better contrast to our present culture than to follow what Paul says here is do everything, mm. not just some things, but everything without complaining or mm. grumbling, because mm. so many of us in our culture do just that. Uh. We're so irritated yeah. or, or, or inconvenienced. We or, must
0: apply that you know, to our own church mm. life. I mean, are you inspiring your fellow Christians or are you exhausting them? And mm. grumbling is a way of exhausting right. them.
1: Exactly. Mm.
0: Even on the uh, secular front, I think that's true. I mean, your own former president, Harry Truman, I uh, once said, you'll notice if you read your history that the work of the world gets done by people who aren't belly aching." Mm. That's mm. very true, even on the yeah. secular front.
1: And we'll shine like stars in the universe, as it says, we'll shine mm. like stars. You know, outside my house, uh, when I pull up to the house at night, uh, our, our house is situated that we're facing toward the southern skies, and I could always see the constellation of Orion. Every night when I come home, there it is, always constant, always present. And the thing that makes that constellation so awesome is that the night is so black. Uh, Where my house is situated up in the hills, the skies are very clear. And it's that contrast that I think the Apostle Paul is trying to get across here. We we stand in clear contrast to a grumbling, complaining culture when we live life without murmuring or without distrusting God.
0: Yeah. And that's shining. That's probably reaching out in evangelism, I think. I mean, I think of Daniel 12, verse three, those that are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars forever Mm. and ever. Mm. Same sort of idea. It's reaching out in evangelism and helping others to understand how wonderful God is Mm. and how wonderful his love is. So that I think we can take that, that that was a very good, wonderful verse, verse 15 about the stars shining like stars in the Mm. universe as we hold Mm. out the word Mm. of life. That's it. It's holding out to others.
2: It does go back. We thought about that grumbling in the day of Moses. This uh, this is also uh, from the day of Moses, where he says a crooked and depraved generation. That's a quotation from Moses Ah. in Deuteronomy. And again, he's saying, looking at all these people of God who are supposed to be You know, to all the nations, this model of loving the Lord and being satisfied and content with Him. And again, that's why Paul's saying, you Philippians, be different to that. You, you don't be like that. Be something that everybody can see is really a shining example of contentment.
1: When we hold out the word of life, or in reference to Daniel when you talked about leading many to righteousness, when you're concentrating on the gospel, when you're giving the gospel, which actually means when you're concentrating on the mercies and the generosity Mm -hmm. of God, you can't be grumbling. You can't be complaining because you're focusing on what Christ did on the cross, Mm -hmm. right?
2: Right.
0: Exactly. Then verse 17 this is an interesting phrase, Paul, look at this. Even if I am being poured out like a drink offering mm. on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with all of you. What does he mean by himself being poured out like a drink offering?
2: Okay, he's looking at all the gospel work, which is the one thing that we do that really has that eternal fruit, you know. There'll the, be all, it'd be, it's wonderful to think that there'll be people there on, at the end, of, in the new creation, and because we've witnessed, we've been part of that. So there they are. And he sees all that evangelistic work that the Philippians have done. And then he sees himself, he wants to be involved in that and share in that. And he says, I see myself as a drink offering. That's in the Old Testament where there's a, a burnt offering's been made. And then there'd be a drink poured over the top as a concluding bit to finish it off. And he's saying, like, that's what I'm like. I'm, you, your, there's your wonderful sacrifice. And I'm just like the finishing it off and together we share in this gospel sacrifice that pleases the Lord.
1: You know, I love this. Because I think it's wonderful to see how the Bible is is, is in a whole fitting together. Yeah. How wonderful that these... Um, these explanations of drink offerings have such application in a book like Philippians. I never knew that, Paul. Thank you for sharing that with me. That was a wonderful okay. insight.
0: I dropped off from one to the other. We help each other in this game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrific. I'm looking at Timothy here, Johnny, in verse 19. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you. That I may be cheered, and in verse twenty, I have no one else like him mm. who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. So here we have the, the gang of you know the gang of four: Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, all here, and uh, he's he's uh, very pleased with Timothy. Why is he so? What's so special about oh, Timothy?
1: What an encouragement Timothy must have been to Paul, and Timothy's life. Uh, according to this uh, short summary, which Paul mentions in this verse, is an exact illustration of what the book of Philippians is all about. He cares not for himself, he cares for the things of others, and he cares for the things of Christ. Three things there. They're so powerful and they're so representative of what the entire book of Philippians really is pointing to. You don't care for the things of yourself. You empty yourself. You make yourself of no reputation like the Lord Jesus. You look out for the interest of others, build them up and esteem others better than yourself. And most of all, finally, you care for the things of Christ. You glorify his name. Uh, You press on toward the high calling of knowing him better.
0: Ah, so Timothy is a good model for us who are Christian workers and for people sharing, participating in this program. I'll give you 15 seconds on Epaphroditus.
2: Oh, Epaphroditus, I always like it because he is a bit of a trouble to Paul because he doesn't really have the physical stamina to work alongside Paul with mm. his sleepless nights and his hard work and missing meals and everything. So Epaphroditus, for the sake of the work of Christ, he actually becomes ill and nearly dies out of hard work working alongside Paul. So Paul has to send him back because he can't keep the pace up. But he says, don't think badly of Epaphroditus honor him because he too was thinks he didn't care about his own health and comfort. He just laid it all out because he was so wanted to bring honor to Christ alongside Paul. So he's another example of someone who does that.
0: Hey, So the arrows are pointing outwards in this passage again and again to other people. That's how we're going to end really, shining like stars in the universe. I remember the first time I ever had the opportunity and privilege of helping somebody else consciously at least, to become a follower of Jesus Christ. I was a teenager, and I uh, led a young airman to the Lord. At the end of that, I thought, I could now die. I went to bed thinking, I've done something in this world. I could die. I could die now. Port has the same thing, actually. He he's also has that same sort of instinct about, uh, he's happy. Uh, if he's done something uh, for these friends, what about us? We're here for others. We're here for others and for God. Let's see to it that we encourage each other in this most wonderful calling to be stars for Jesus Christ, shining out into our very needy world. God bless us all as we try and do this.